Many business owners talk about the benefits of having a business coach. But what a lot of business owners who appreciate this coaching don't talk about is how to find a coach. And not only that, with specifically a coach, but how do you build a community of business owners around you to create this idea of sharing knowledge amongst other business owners instead of trying to do everything yourself and learning from different mistakes. Cody Rich is our guest today, and he has created what he thinks is this idea of creating a community around you of different business owners. He has created something called the Rich Ideas Lab, and what they do is they have a sense of community and a sense of involvement from a bunch of different industry experts to help businesses and business owners in their business. Now on to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Better Business Podcast, the podcast that helps you improve your family-owned retail business. My name is Steve Cook. I'm a third-generation business owner, and with the things I've learned and talk about on this show, I've taken my family's retail business to over $10 million in sales. Now let's get to the show. (laughs) Hello and welcome to another episode of the Better Business Podcast. My name is Steve Cook, and today my guest's name is Cody Rich. Cody owned a semi before he could drive a car. He was is a farm kid who started building internet companies as a way to spend more time hunting and doing what he loves. He enjoys helping people step off the hamster wheel and start enjoying their life while building the thing they love. One of the primary ways he does this is through his podcast, The Rich Outdoors, where he talks about business and hunting. Cody is a walking contradiction. He is in crypto. He's in crypto. He's in internet marketing. He's in subscription boxes. He's in podcasting, but he is a uh, hunter and an outdoors person. Uh, Cody, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. Uh, I was cringe. I did. I, I hate writing my own. I hate talking about myself, all that stuff. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just like cringe when I hear my own bios and stuff, but no, it's all good. I'm stoked to be here, man. Um, you know, I love talking, talking business. Uh, you know, everyone knows me as talking hunting. So when I get to talk business, like I feel like I kind of come out of my shell a little bit too. Yeah, we talked about that on uh, on on your podcast. How it's a uh, it's unique that someone would combine business and hunting. <laughs> but uh, when you find when you find somebody that is interested in both, they are a hundred percent your your target audience. I think that that is probably one of the unique most unique podcast uh genres or subjects that you could you could combine into one but somehow you've done it (laughs) well i mean to be fair it started as a hunting podcast and you know naturally i'm into entrepreneurship and things and so i i started talking about stuff like that and i you know feedback from the audience was like so it turns out a, a large portion of my audience, you know, also owns a business or, you know, uh, has, you know, small business ambitions and, and things like that. And so, like, it naturally just progressed into, like, that's what I'm talking about. And, you know, and there was definitely people that are like, oh, I followed you for hunting, you know, like, only talk hunting. And it's like, eh, no, no, thanks. Like, I'm just going to do me. And, like, you're, you're welcome <laughs> to join. But if not, then that's fine, too. I don't care. <laughs> How many episodes, 500 and something episodes in, how many episodes in are you so far? 
that number doesn't even over five hundred. We have an entire other ep- show that we did. We stopped with the number, so it gets super convoluted wow. in a certain way. So it's like five fifty ish, but uh, we also have like a Patreon only feed, um, and the Patreon only feed used to be on our main show, and I was doing three shows a week, like six months out of the year, uh, wow. which was really good for growth, and you know it, it was great. But then it was like I had to like okay either. I need to hire more people to help with this or we need to do something else. And so I was just going to get rid of it. And then we, my producer was like, well, you know, people are doing really well on this Patreon thing. You should just, we should just throw them on Patreon and see what happens. I was like, okay, fine. Cause the alternative is I just stop doing three shows and we just go back to one. Well, long story short, uh, it was like 2019. We put them on Patreon. And so since then we've done Patreon and I have a co-host for that one. Um, and so we do uh, another show a week there. So I don't know. There's another hundred plus episodes that are, you know, not numered, numered, uh, numerical in order, whatever from the, <laughs> uh, the other podcast. So yeah, long story short, we've, we've done a pile of podcasts. <laughs> so let me let me uh kind of talk about the subject that we're wanting to get into today and um this this new uh concept that you've come up with the rich ideas lab and to kind of preface that before we get into that conversation talk about some of the businesses obviously the podcast is a business in and of itself and so i don't want to you know uh, downplay that at all but talk about some of the other businesses that you have started uh since uh you've gone out on your own um, yeah. And so, <laughs> so there's always like this, where do you stop? Uh, so my first company, like <laughs> it really got me into entrepreneurship was an ammunition company, uh, which I was kind of just working at, I was actually doing special effects and doing really cool stuff. Uh, and we had this ammo company and I read the four hour work week. I was like, cool. I, this is what I want. Like I want to build companies and, and go hunting all the time. So I built that company and ended up selling that one. I actually started the podcast before I sold that one. Uh, started the podcast to figure out what was next. Uh, then the podcast became its own thing. Uh, that launched another company, which is Backcountry Fuel. Um, and I, along the way, there's probably a boulevard of broken dreams, um, also known as my GoDaddy account, where I like started some <laughs> some businesses and, you know, like all those. But those are, I guess, the successful ones, if people want to say that, you know what I mean? Um, and so there's kind of a laundry list uh, of companies that I've helped with, uh, consulted for, worked on, all those things. But um, those are my three. And there was like a short gap where I had all three going at once and it was quite the headache. And so, um, you know, as Becca fuel was kind of like matured and it's about four years old now and you know i don't have to do a ton with it um it's just i feel like it's on i wouldn't say autopilot but for the most part you know it's doing well i don't need to do a ton um and the podcast is you know a great tool for networking and building and 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 growing your your personal brand or or another brand um you know it's its own thing and so now it's like i got the the bright idea that i'd launch a new project um to to figure out what was next and and that was like the the rich ideas lab which you know was like um, like we talked about i started out as a hunting podcast i wanted to talk more about entrepreneurship as i kind of got older um and i feel like that was kind of just a natural growth like i was I didn't feel comfortable talking about entrepreneurship when I was in the heat of the battle and, you know, just trying to figure it all out myself. But essentially I've spent the last 10 plus years enveloped in entrepreneurship, trying to figure this out. And, you know, I'm from a super small town, uh, just 
I always say just a dumb farm kid who was trying to figure this internet stuff out. And, uh, and so kind of as a way to give back was like, okay, how do I create a better system than what I went through? Uh, how do I create the best resources, the best community for all the people like me who just like you're from a small town. You just don't have a ton of people that are like on the same boat. Like you might have some like mentors that were entrepreneurs, but like me, it was like, yeah, they all built companies, but not internet companies. And so like I would get advice, but it would be like very different than like the modern advice, you know, um, or just yeah. any advice along building, you know, in an internet land or in internet companies and things like that. So, um, you know, I wanted to build this community that was like surrounded with people who were doing cool stuff and have great ideas. So the ideas lab. I have, I have to ask you. You mentioned the four-hour work week last time we talked and this time. Have you ever asked uh, Tim Ferriss to be on your podcast or anything? <laughs> no, I have not. Um, no. Uh, you know, I, I feel like Tim was like an idol that I had for a long time. Um, and you know what they say, like, don't meet your idols. <laughs> and then, like, I knew some Silicon Valley <laughs> people that were like, yeah, you probably don't want to meet Tim. Like, he's like not as cool as you think. I don't know for sure. I've never met the guy. Really? Yeah. I could so. see him being super quirky and just kind of like, not relatable, I guess. Right, right. And I don't know um, if so, it or what, but yeah, no, it's the long, the short answer. <laughs> um, so tell me, the Rich Ideas Lab, obviously that was born out of your desire to talk more about business, but um, kind of explain the concept of, of what that is and, and how that can help someone. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I say, yeah it's still a work in progress, man. Like I'm really good at launching and then building. And so like, that's, that's kind of, we're a couple, we're a couple days in, right? I mean, this is incredibly fresh. <laughs> yeah. Well, what started as like, I wanted to like, okay, maybe we'll create a course and like teach people how to do these things, but that wasn't really good enough. And, and what stemmed from doing, doing a course, we did like a cohort course was these things called jam sessions. And it was just me like, uh, people would bring an idea or I'd have an idea and I'd be like, okay, here's how this would work itself out or whatever. And so like I, the, the reference to hunting would be like, I could teach you how to hunt deer, but there's a lot of nuance when you're an experienced, two experienced people are talking. Right. And they're like, yeah, but here's the problem you're going to have. Or like, here's what, yeah, we could focus on this, but not on this. Like you could boil hunting deer down into like a, a 10 step program, but the reality is it's much more complex than that, so to speak. And so like, that was the, I was like, okay, how do we take jam sessions and make them scalable? And that's kind of what I always think about. I was like, how do I make this scalable? How do I make it bigger? Right. And so even a cohort teaching session was like, okay, that was a good test run, but how do we make this scalable? And, and the, that's where the ideas lab was like, how do we keep jam sessions going? And then it was like, that stemmed into, okay, what is the best thing for an entrepreneur from a small town? How do I, how do I fit that person? And so instead of like, thinking about what product I want to sell or all these things. It was like, how do I make the best thing for a small town entrepreneur, whether they are interested in entrepreneurship, whether they're interested in a side hustle, whether like they have a construction business or whatever, like they want that lifestyle freedom that we all kind of strive towards. And so like, what is that? Like, okay, if I had to narrow it down, I'd be like, okay, surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. Um, surround yourself mm -hmm. with people who are going there. Right. And I don't know if you ever heard the term, I remember it very vividly because like someone told me early in entrepreneurship was like, if you want to be 
in this world, you have to surround yourself with that community. Like, and that meant moving to Silicon Valley. <laughs> I wasn't going to move to Silicon Valley. And so like, how do you do that? <laughs> we have the internet now, like the, how do we surround ourselves with like a community of people who are like trying to all achieve the same goal and that aligns us. Right. So I think that's super important. I think, um, there's a concept of like <laughs> people in entrepreneurship have more ideas than time. And that is 1000% mm. true. I remember being an early entrepreneur and thinking like, I just need a good idea or whatever. Now I, I can rattle off ideas like daily. And I, it, like, there was a point where it was like, not a good thing. Cause my wife was like, I swear if you start another company, like that's it, we're done. You know, like just, it's almost <laughs> comical. And so now it's like, okay, we can just spit off ideas, but there's something about you and I bouncing ideas or what's going to work or what's not that like, if you are just listening in or a part of the conversation, you're going to take so much from, right. And so like how, that, that's the second piece of it. And then the third piece is like, how do we provide all the resources? When we were doing that cohort, I was, mm. we, we did this thing on like how to launch a product. And I was rattling off all these tools that I use or like websites and things like that. And when you're new, you're brand new, I mean, heck, even if you're like been doing this a while, you may not know all the, the tools that other people use and things like that. So like, how do we actually have all the resources, the courses, um, the tools deck or the, the tool stack, like all these things like that are available to the world. It's hard to keep up with. Like I want to make the best resources. So that's why I think at the rich ideas lab, again, I'm saying like, we're still building as we're going. So, um, in, end of the day, I want to make the best resource possible for, small town entrepreneur types who want lifestyle freedom, right? And it's, and we talked about before, it's for someone who is fresh out of the gates starting or for someone who wants to build on top of what they already have. They need a, a, a fresh um, catalyst to take them to the next level or whatever, right? Right. And, you know, like, I don't know, like I'm a part of, I've been a part of a lot of these things and like, do I need ideas? <laughs> I don't need ideas, but like you always hear, you know, I'm going to listen to a podcast and see how a company, um, you know, pivoted their thing into doing something. And it might spark an idea that sometimes yeah. even unrelated completely, but you know, like you could be talking about, you know, something you did at the feed store and I could be like, Oh man, that's clever. How could I implement that in my business? Right. And like, so you're just always thinking like, mm -hmm. yeah, I, if you if you think you're in business and you got it all figured out, like the door is closing around you, <laughs> like that's the one thing is for yeah. sure. Like <laughs> that's because everything about business is ever evolving, right? Like you could be like, it's the same entrepreneurs that told me like, oh, you got to go to trade shows and you got to do this and you got to do this. You got to get into Cabela's when I had an animal company. And I was like, no, that's actually not where I want to go. Like that's the opposite of what I do, what I want to do. Um, you know, and like they thought they figured it out. Right. And then slowly that door closes because if you're not evolving and changing and growing, I mean, your, your business is, is going to run into a dead end eventually. Yeah. Do you think that uh, you were talking about getting around other business owners and around people that you could say are a step above you in business and mm -hmm. you're trying to get some of that creativity from them? Um, and I, th I think a lot about that too. And I, I try to do that. That's part of why I have this podcast is so I can talk to other business owners and people that are successful and get new ideas or, or ask the questions I want to ask <laughs> about business. And do you think that I, – I read a book one time that was talking about creativity, and he said that he thinks – the guy in this book, he's a pretty famous photographer uh, named Chase Jarvis. I don't know if you have heard of him, but mm -hmm. um, he had talked about how he thinks creativity is a muscle. 
and the more you use it and the more you develop it that the better it becomes do you think that creativity is a muscle or do you think that people are just born genetically with good business ideas no 100 it's a muscle um there's what's what was the book you're referencing because it might be the same book i was thinking of do you remember i can't book? remember creative calling maybe or creative something i can't remember different book um but it's very similar there's a book called steal like an artist and i really love that book in essentially i do think that creativity stems from solving a problem right and the more problems you've solved in the past mm -hmm. then the more creative you become another great book is called the generalist um and it talks about how like coming up with creative solutions has more to do about the the width or the 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 broadness of the the solutions or, or excuse me the problems that you've solved in the past right and so let's let's take for example like um i pretty avid hunter i spent a lot of my life thinking about hunting and, and whatnot i'm also uh in very much in entrepreneurship so if you and i were to go do a new project say we we're going to build an app like obviously i'm going to come up with solutions to problems very different than even an app builder right like because he's solved a lot of these problems repetitively and when you think about like someone who's done the same thing over and over and over like they tend to like yeah, they're, they're efficient at solving the answer, but sometimes they don't come up with the most creative answers. So when you have multiple inputs, and this is kind of coming from that, like steal like an artist is like, you need to take all of these pieces, right? And then make them your own. Like it, in my course, I, I teach you uh, this concept called rip pivot jam. And I stole it from someone. I don't remember who, Oh, nah, I don't remember who, uh, it's called rip pivot jam. And it's like, <laughs> I want to take something that's working really well. And then the key to this is like pivoting it to something that's uniquely you and then going and jamming on it. Right. And so this is how we solve a lot of problems is we, we get good at like, okay, I've solved different problems in different categories in different ways. That's going to bring a knowledge to me. And so like, yeah, like you said, are you born with it? No, like, Maybe some people are, but for the most part, it boils down to like all your past experiences. Dude, I think that's so true because when you, you look at a successful business person and let's say they are very successful in something very uh, old, tried and true. You know, I think about a lot of our business. Um, you could talk to a very successful feed store. Uh, maybe they have a chain of feed stores. I've met several business owners that have 20, 30, 40 feed stores before and they're decamillionaires. You know, they've done very, very well. But when I ask them about, you know, hey, we're working on our website or we're working on a subscription, this or, or delivery, you know, certain things like that, they're they're completely clueless. And mm -hmm. I think that that's that's a very good point that a lot of people are very specifically um, good at a certain set of specific skills. And so the more people's input you can get around, like you said, an app or, or a website or, you know, um, perhaps whatever that person's expertise is, um, that is what can help you in different little tiny nuances, which can, can help you break through certain things. Yeah. And I'm not trying to belittle that as, uh, you know, you know, MBA types, right? MBA types go to school to learn how to manage a business, how to, to make it more efficient. 
creative types aren't that way. Like there's, there's definitely types of people, right? There's types of people who have, you know, the right brain versus left brain, right? There's more creative types and there's more, you know, management types or, or processes types. Like I think, you know, to be a great entrepreneur, you have to have a good blend of both. But I think a lot of times, like you talk about the people who can take one model and then rinse and repeat it very well. Like, uh, you know, any kind of franchise business, right? Like, okay, what we did here, boom, let's rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. That's, that's just, that's a skill set, right? Like it's very hard to do. Um, I think the hardest part in the world is almost saying no to all the other things. And like, there are people in this world who are successful because they're so good at saying no to everything. They can just basically do the same thing over and over and over and over. Right. That's 100% not me. <laughs> like, and so like, yeah, you just have to go with what you're good at. Right. And like coming up with creative solutions and finding things. I do think that a lot of those, it just depends on what you want out of life. But like a lot of those that NBA types, and I don't want to pick on NBAs, but like NBA types that are good at, at rinse and repeat, right? Like they're creating this like <laughs> old NBAs are getting drugged through the mud here. I don't want to like just, but you know, you, I, I'm, <laughs> if I had a better term, I'd use it. But you know, work with me here. Uh, so like you know, like basically rinse and repeat the store model until you know it, it gets to a point. Well. That's great if you, you know, get acquired and it, it gets, you know, acquired by some uh, juggernaut company and, and you kind of walk away from it all. But I do think that, you know, time and time again, there's a reason that the Fortune 500, the uh, Fortune 500 list turns over like whatever, 20 years or something where it's like, you know, yeah. companies, they get big and then they get complacent and then they kind of wane away, you know, like that just, that's happened a lot. And unless you have a bunch of innovation, like you're not going to. And so as a like small business owner and the type of businesses that I like to build, I think it is about trying to find that creative, creative, uh, trend, if you will, like a, the next thing of that's working right. And staying on top of that. Um, uh, because at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm not in business to work a hundred hours a week, every week and become more efficient. That just doesn't appeal to me. You've mentioned a, uh, this sense of community. You've mentioned uh, a coach. I think you were talking about a coach before the, we started recording. Um, what is, what is your take on a sense of community? If you are looking to build a community to help your business specifically, I don't mean, you know, for friendships or whatever, or hunting or anything like that, but just specifically to help your business, what do you think some of the key players are or key people to have in that community? Are you, are we talking, um, front end or back end? Well, I mean, if you wanted to have the best, uh, as good of a business as possible, and you wanted to build a, a group of people to um, give you advice mm, or coach exactly. you or to help you, what what kind of people do you think it's, uh, you know, experienced entrepreneurs? Do you think it's people that um, uh, have a coaching business? Do you think it's marketing people in big companies or, or what are what are kind of some of the fundamentals of that? The opposite of all those things you said. <laughs> uh, I I have friends that are marketers in big companies. Um, you know, like they have their way. Like, you know, like that. I don't think of those as the most creative people. They're more like efficiency types, right? And they know it works and they do it well. Um, and there's something to be said for that. If I wanted to, and it all depend, depends on success, okay? So, you know, if like like hypothetically, like say you and I were um, in a mastermind or I was coaching or whatever you want to call it. 
I would say, you know, what's angle? That's my first question because like everything is mm-hmm. determined on angle. Like, what do you want? Like, Steve, what do you want? Like, what's what's angle? Like, to own a big ranch, walk away from it all? Um, do you want to like like legit? Like, what's the question? Like, what or what's the answer? You know, what's your angle? I mean, my angle would be to build a either collection of businesses or multiple different businesses similar to a conglomerate that might offset each other. So some might be a slow growth, like a feed store. Some might be very exciting, but it's very risky. Mm-hmm. Some might be, um, you know, in a different industry or something like that. But that's my goal is to, to build a book of businesses. So that way it is, I feel like it's a little bit safer for, for that reason. Yeah. So you're, you're real big on stress. You want more stress. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, I think that's good. Like I, I have cash flow businesses, I have equity businesses and things like that. And so when I, when I think about, um, and this is, this is something that I've kind of gone through is like, how do I build a team around what I want? And so when I think about coaches, like it's super hard to hire a coach because you have to go through this, like almost like first date. Like, I don't know them. They don't know me. How do I Mm. even trust that they're giving me the best? And so usually when we go shopping for coaches, we're like, okay, has this person done exactly what I'm about to do? Then, then they probably have the answers. Right. Uh, but the reality is, is that a coach is someone who is going to help lead you to the answers that you already know. And they're going to like help you reduce the amount of devil's advocate that is within you already. And so, so many of us, like, I don't know, maybe it's all all the people I know that entrepreneurship can argue both sides of, you know, what they're about to do or not do very, very well. And I'm sure you've experienced this where you're like, yeah, but if I did this, like, you you, you know, for me, it's like, I'll talk to my wife and be like, I think this, this, this. She's like, okay, yeah. And then I'll argue against her. And she's like, well, you're just arguing on both sides. And I'm like... Yes. So what's the answer? You know, and, and so a good coach is going to help you walk you into your own answer um, and, and help you feel like that's the decision you want. Right. Or maybe point out some things um, that you're not seeing. And, and it's not like they're going to you're going to go to them and say, hey, uh, how should I structure this acquisition deal? And they're going to tell you, um, you know, there's there's coaches for that. But at the end of the day, I think they're few and far between. There's a lot more coaches that, you know, maybe you're not going to agree with completely or you're just not going to I want to say respect. But you're not going to like have enough um, invested in that relationship to take their advice, right? So I, you know, um, when I went to a, when I went to a coach, it was someone that it was, I just used to BS with about business. Um, and she's, she's absolutely crushing it. So I'm like, okay, like, Hey, I got a deal for you. You're going to help me. I'm going to help you. And we're going to like, this is be the, you know, the, the deal we work. And so finding someone that's just going to help you get through those answers. Right. I think that's important, but I also think it's important to surround yourself with who people who are better than you. Like if you want to, if you want to move into a category, right? Like how do you find people who are one step above you and how do you provide value to them? Right? So like, you know, you and I may look up to, I'll just use Tim as an example. It's not a great example, but like say Mm -hmm. someone like Tim Ferriss, right? And like, okay, so how do I provide value to Tim Ferriss? Right. And then how do I get within that circle? And that's a really tough one because there gets to be a certain level where there's probably not a lot of value you can do. Um, you know, I look at some other entrepreneurs, uh, and say like, okay, maybe they're big in investing. If I could bring a, a few investment deals to them, maybe then I could build a relationship. Right. So that brings value to them and then in turn they can you know bring value to me and we can build a relationship because everyone is vying for their attention or for their time right and so you know i do think those are two big ones like having someone you can bounce ideas off that you trust and number two is 
building your network of people around you that think bigger are doing bigger and like have maybe already been there, like in some capacity, like, yeah, they've built some businesses, they've sold some businesses. Um, they are where you want to be. And I think that's going to naturally help you gravitate towards that position. So if you, you know, it sounds like you're getting way far away from just the person that's on whatever Instagram that calls himself a business coach. You're, you're seems like you're talking about somebody who is a, an entrepreneur that has been successful and, um, perhaps you can have some sort of trade out some sort of value that you can give to them to establish a relationship. But I guess my biggest question is how would you say someone besides, besides saying, join the rich ideas lab, um, (laughs) what would you say would be the best way to find a person like that? And if you say, just Google it, business coach, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> That's the again, opposite. <laughs> Don't ever Google business coach. Like if someone shows up number one on Google for business coach, like newsflash, probably the wrong place to go. Um, dude, I, I actually, I'll tell you, I have no idea. Um, but what do you think I built the ideas lab? It's like, it's a tough one, man. Yeah. And this is it's hard to find. This yeah. is kind of like, not to get into the ideas lab, but it's like, this is why I built it was because when I was new, I joined every mastermind. I was in a bunch of groups. Uh, I was in like, you know, these meetup things. Like I still host, I host a meetup here in Bozeman. Um, and that was kind of homage to like, I went to a lot of meetups, but the problem I always had is that none of these people were like me and like, not in a bad way. It was just like, there wasn't any common ground and that can be tough because it's like, as you know, like, yeah, if you build a business that's different than everyone else around you, you feel like you have nothing in common with them. You have nothing to relate to or whatever. And, and to some extent, like. The only people building lifestyle businesses when I was coming up were people that were like these, uh, you know, laptop nomadic types that were like, you know, building, you know, clickbaity websites and, you know, living on the beach and they were, or they had some core e-course, you know, for Facebook ads and they were living on the beach and stuff. And so like, I would go to these like meetups and just like nothing in common, you know, and it was just like, oh, well, you know, your business is very different. And I'd be like, what about this? And they're like, oh no. And so it was just tough because I didn't have a ton of people, um, which I mean, yeah, I don't want to say going at it alone is the best way, but sometimes it's just, that's what it is. Right. I mean, did you have mentors? What do you think? I mine's tough because I've I've always had my dad as one of the persons that I look to the most for you know answering questions as far as a business. Well, and probably everyday life, um, but that's probably who I look to the most in in asking business questions. And do you guys and I, like I, I, have disagreements on like okay, here's how the new school way is versus the old school way. Yeah, all the time. And and what's awesome is is he he always even when I wasn't even part of the business, I was just, you know, kind of managing, um he always gave me the leeway to okay, well, try it as long as it wasn't a a 10, 20, 30,000, you know, decision or something, but it, it was always just kind of like try it, we'll check the score later, you know. Yeah. Um and so that was always and a lot of people aren't that lucky, but I think that I struggled with beyond that relationship I know a lot of people that have businesses and things like that and not to sound arrogant, but there's not a lot of people that have the the size business or in the same industry. They might have the same size, but it's in a different industry or something like that. It's very hard to find that um, person that has a business like you're talking about that is similar to yours. Right. Which I think can be um, 
it can be a crutch in a little a little bit, like to be like, oh, well, that's just not the same. And I, I was guilty of that too, of being like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, but you just don't understand my business. <laughs> you know, we all think that, like, yeah, yeah well, mine's different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or this reason or that reason. Um, which you know, I do think there's a lot of commonalities as you as you get to know you know multiple businesses, multiple industries. You're like, oh man, there is a lot more in common than there are apart. You know, and I think there's like there's macro trends that follow most businesses you know now those may vary between like say e-commerce and and say a physical uh store you know and and things like that you know distribution all these things are a little bit different but there's a there's a lot of similarities i feel like you have a knack um just kind of bringing it back to business um the target audience for this business is family retail businesses. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I think family retail businesses do the poorest is, um, having a good presence online. And I feel like you have a a great knack for, um, that. What do you think is the biggest miss when you see, let's take a, a hardware store, even a feed store, a boutique or something like that. When they try to begin an initial, presence online, whether it's a Facebook page or Instagram page or a website, what do you think is the biggest um, thing that that type of business would do wrong? Oh man, I love this question because um, you're 100% right. Most mom and pop stores, retail, you know, they don't have an online presence. They don't see a need for it. Right. Um, And then they don't know how to do it. So it's like, what's the point? Like, you know, like, why do I need an online presence? Uh, in Cleveland when only people in this store or in this region and within a mile, right? Uh, but I think there's a lot of capabilities to build brand and to build that know, like, and trust offline, um, even if it's only in a local capacity, right? Uh, that's the one thing mm-hmm. I think everyone's missing out is is talking about repeat purchases, right? Like, and, and most people do it wrong because the instant they go, okay, uh, why do I need to email us so I can spam them? You know, and they send like really crappy emails, right? No, why you should have an online presence is because all of your customers are online as well. And you can build a relation and relationship yeah. and add value in an online capacity that's only gonna, you know, increase the bottom dollar of your your walk-in purchases, right? And so like let's uh let's just take <clears throat> Al's, you know, hardware store, right? So what can Al's hardware stu- store do for that local community to keep engaging with them, to keep kind of like up up to speed, keep top of mind, right? And so like, that's one of the things you're, you're like, you want people to think of Al's hardware store when we're coming in or when I need something, right? And so a lot of people will just go straight to online and say like, oh, run Facebook promotions or like follow us online. Like, why would I follow a hardware store online? I need a really compelling reason to follow a hardware store on my Facebook page. So how do we do that? How do we, and it like, this seems like a lot of work right out the gate, you're like, well, we have to, what, start a whole nonprofit for a hardware store just to be, you know, unique <laughs> online? And the answer is, like, there's somewhere in the middle. And I think, like, it's really important to to gain that relationship, to gain that know, like, and trust, but then to be top of mind. Like, the top of mind shouldn't be your number one reason. It should really be an afterthought or a byproduct of doing all the right things. It's no different than... Being courteous uh, as a as in the store, right? Like if a customer came in and it doesn't really affect your bottom dollar to be nice and courteous, other than the fact that they might come back, they might like that store, so they'll keep coming back, right? So the same concept applies to online. Like how do we just yeah we're doing the right thing now, so it pays forward later instead. 
a lot of these mom and pop stores, they go on and like, hey, follow our Facebook page. They don't give them a reason to follow the Facebook page. And then all the Facebook page does is like, hey, we're having a sale. Here's a discount, <laughs> you know, like all these things. So they just take the wrong approach to it. What do you think uh, in your your business with the uh, in around subscription? What do you think that a retail store could learn from a subscription based business? Um, do you think that there's any ties there? Do you think that there's any things that you could learn from that? Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm a huge fan of subscription based businesses. That stemmed from when I built my first company. It was online uh, ammunition store um, uh, brand and. What I got from that was like every day on the first or every every first of the month, the sales had to restart. It was like I was going and I had to get all these new sales to keep the lights on, right? And it just became like every, on the first, this you know, basically the second of the month, I was like full sprint mode again. And it was like, that's that's obnoxious. Like we shouldn't have to do that to keep the lights on. So I wanted a subscription box. And I built a subscription and I realized now having built both that a subscription is a beautiful way to help you conserve brand. What I mean by that is that subscription businesses or subscription income, that reoccurring revenue, allows you to keep, let's say, your overhead. So if I was in any business, any business, I would say I want enough reoccurring revenue to cover all um, you know, employees, brand, uh, or all the, you know, the, the utilities, all those things. Like that's what I want. I don't necessarily need fixed expenses. Yeah. Your fixed expenses. That way I can focus on building the brand the way I want to and doing the right thing by the customer instead of always trying to get sales. Because in any business you're, you're kind of balancing between brand and sales. You're always trying to create this like premier brand or this, you know, this premier whatever. And then at the, you're also like, okay, we've got to get enough sales to keep the lights on. And I think a subscription is a great way to kind of relieve the pain of sales to be less salesy and i think by doing that you create a better brand which creates better or more sales down the road and so let's take alice hardware store so if i was alice hardware store how could i think about products that would do on a subscription basis so i take let's just take the top five SKUs that people use all the time and give them a you know a, a discount and push them towards hey set this up on a subscription and you know you'll say this amount, blah, 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 blah. Maybe you don't have to come into the store, which sounds counterintuitive, right? You're like, well, I want them to come in the store and get this thing. But just for, just to work the kinks out, we put them on a subscription and now they, they're getting this. And so now all of our fixed expenses are covered. And so we can focus on growing our community, our brand awareness. And by doing that, now we're not like every single month being like, okay, we got to sell enough lumber. We got to sell enough nuts and bolts to make the ends meet, right? Um, if I could, if you could be picky and choosy, like, yeah, the, the higher the margin on the subscription, the more discount you can give on them to, to really incentivize that and push that. So I think there's definitely room for subscription type reoccurring revenue in almost most, most businesses at the minimum. Would you I, uh, your, your point about the, uh, pushing people not to come into the store made me think of a, uh, there was a documentary that was actually done about, uh, gas stations that there was this huge, uh, turnover in people that owned gas stations in, uh, around the time that the pay at the pump deal came out. And what a lot of gas station said is, Hey, you know, we don't make our money on fuel. If we do pay at the pump, they're not going to come in and mm -hmm. actually buy all the, the crap in our store that we get a lot higher margin on and we'll go out of business. And so what a lot of, um, 
fuel stations actually did at that time was they resisted the pay at the pump because they thought that that would kill their business. And what ended up happening is that no one even wanted to go there to get fuel because they knew they couldn't pay at the pump. So not only did they not sell the gas, but then no one, no one came in the store either because they didn't even go to the gas pump. And, you know, it kind of made me think of that same thing that I'm, I, I know that I've been guilty in our business of, you know, sometimes saying, Hey, this wouldn't be the great, a great way to, you know, do this because this might kill our business. But like you said, if you just do what you think would drive the most sales, oftentimes it'll work itself out in the end. Yeah. And I think that stems from, you know, it's easy, it's easy to look at numbers and say like, okay, well, here's, you know, we're massaging the numbers. How do we get the most out of each customer? Blah, 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 blah. But what numbers don't tell you is the relationship you have with your customer. You know, does the customer feel like you're giving mm. them the best value? Are you providing for them? And I think more than anything is like these retail stores in small towns, like that's 100% what they should be focusing on. We can figure out how to monetize that later, but you have to build a relationship. That's a part of the brand, right? And so like no different than my brand is online, I have to build that by giving 51% value. I, if I had a store and people were coming into that store, I have to build that brand. And that brand is the no like and trust that the customer feels when they come into that store, right? So, <laughs> By all means, like if you only had robots in your store and, you know, and sales signs everywhere, right? And like you, you brainwash people as they came in to buy more, like on, on paper, that makes sense, but like, it's not going to last very long. Right. And so like, what's the longevity of these things? And so like, how do we increase that value over time and work on that brand and, and focus on doing the right thing by the customer? I had a uh, guy named Jesse Cole on my podcast a while back, um, and he owns a minor league baseball team called the Savannah Bananas. You love that guy. And uh, he uh, – do, have you had him on? No, Yours? me too. You should, man. He was super fun to talk to. But anyways, he uh, his kind of like tagline, what he always says is uh, create fans first and figure out how to make a profit second. And, I mean, he literally like walked me through some of the numbers on their gear, like their uh, merchandise and stuff like that in – he was like, literally, we lose more money when people buy this stuff. I mean, it was like, it was almost like scary. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? But he, he literally just like does what's right. He thinks what is right and tr tries as hard as possible to create fans. And then he, he says that he can figure out the numbers later. And right. anyways, whether that's the complete right idea or not, I don't know. But, um, you know, it's, I think, uh, if you look at his success, uh, you can't argue with how big of a brand that he's created with the Savannah bananas. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, you have to be careful on which products and, and which things you choose. And like, you can be clever about that, right? Like you can choose the, there's certain products in your inventory that have higher margins than others, right? There's certain products that people, uh, you know, if you gave away for free or at a discounted price, wouldn't really destroy you, but would add a lot of value to people, you know, like, and things like that. It's just the little things. And I think that's where you have to get clever on how you go about it. You know, anyone that says like, oh yeah, just give everything away for free and, and hope that money comes. That's a great recipe for a family business. <laughs> like it's at the end of the day, it's just not gonna work out. So there's a fine line. And, but like you said, I do think that like how to, there's ways, if you can provide value in non-monetary ways, that's going to benefit you, right? Because it comes back in a monetary way. And so like, think about in your business, like how could you, 
add value in a non-monetary way, like something that doesn't cost you anything. And so in the internet mm. world, we always think about like, uh, say like a, a guidebook or a PDF or some kind of course, right? And so like, if you're Al's uh, hardware store, like what kind of DIY plans could we you know, put out there? What kind of, you know, help projects, right? Or things that are like, yeah, we could create a video series, which is kind of overdone, but like we could create a video series and it's a one-time cost. It's going to last forever, you know, or like what's the cheapest version of that? And so like, instead of like saying like, oh, we're just going to discount products. Like how do we add value without spending a bunch of money? Right. And so if that's a very high margin product that we can add, that's, that's a way to do it. That's not a bad way to do it. But like, what is the free version of that? Like what's the downloadable guidebook to making your own picnic table? You know, just like off the top of my head, things like that, that's going to provide value to the community um you know any even in events like that's the really cool thing about uh retail stores is that you can do these events and so like you know uh, ace hardware is pretty good at doing uh, events all the time right and like getting the community involved and in a, a world that's getting increasingly harder and harder to get the community involved in things like you have to make that extra effort and and then hopefully that comes back in sales and and there's ways you can try to like you know utilize this event to um to gain new customers, right? But I, I think by and large, the focus should be like, how do we provide value to this community so that they'll come back to the store? Yeah, I uh, have one final question for you, Cody. And that is, um, if I know that you have a ton of ideas and a ton of advice uh, trapped in that brain of yours and with all the businesses that you've been a part of and the ones that you have, um, seen from the outside looking in with whether it's with friends or um, different acquaintances that you have, what do you think would be one piece of advice you would give someone that perhaps has plateaued in their business uh, is or is just starting out that could better their business? Hmm. That's a good question. <clears throat> I think the number one thing, like as we talk about adding all this value, <clears throat> I think the quicker you can add lifetime value on your books, the better. So what I mean by that, you need to find a product, whether it's your core product or not, like you need to find a way to increase the lifetime value of a customer because customers are getting more and more expensive to acquire. And when you, when like, as we just get done saying like, you know, stop focusing on the numbers, I'm saying, you know, focus on your numbers in this way, like focus on increasing that lifetime value with an early product. You know, that's something that I learned from super spammy internet marketers that holds true in solid businesses <laughs> is like, how do I, how do I increase the value of this customer early? and more often. And, and I think you can do that in a non spammy way and by pr creating the thing that they want. So I'll give you an example out of our business. Uh, so with the ideas lab, we launched this ideas lab and I instantly gave away two courses that are worth, you know, like $700. Could we make more money by selling them? Yes, but I'd rather give them away and get that higher value right there. And so now I can, I can, corner myself as a premier membership by giving away this free value. So there's the thing that I added a super high value, this $500 course that I'm giving you for free, right? Um, you know, that's something that's going to add value, add perceived value to the entire piece. And then allows me to corner this as like, Hey, we're a premier membership, right? Um, 
and like that's just kind of a rough example off the top of my head is like how do we add value um but how do we also increase the lifetime value of that customer Cody Rich from the Rich Outdoors podcast, also the Rich Ideas Lab, Backcountry Fuels, all kinds of different things yeah. that Cody Rich has going on. I'll tag them all in the show notes below. Cody, thank you for being on. Yeah, thanks, Steve.